Blog Talk Radio. of pop culture, movies, TVs, maybe books at some point, music, but everything involving pop culture, and we're excited to be here. Lots of great stuff to talk about. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash TKRS presents pop life. Again, that's facebook.com slash TKRS presents pop life. We want to hear from you. Got lots of stuff up on the Facebook. We're going to delve right into pop culture my co-host this evening, as always, Todd Evans on board. Todd, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? Great to be here. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, it's great to be here. You know, it's been it's been a month already, and I still can't believe how quickly this year is just flying by. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, unfortunately, we we do have some uh, sad news to report, and uh, some news that's come off of that. Uh, the, the tragic death of Paul Walker, um, the, the irony of dying in, in a, a car crash, uh, very sad news, someone taken very, uh, obviously very too, uh, too early. Um, sad story uh, here, and condolences to the, the Walker family. Um, any thoughts that you'd like to share on uh, Paul Walker? Uh, first of all, yes, he died in a car crash. Any joke you're going to make, too soon. Sorry, too soon. But if you make a joke, I'll probably laugh at it. <laughs> um, no, it, it is a tragedy. He was, uh, you know, a cornerstone of one of the big action franchises, one of the rare franchises that got bigger as it went on. And, um, you know, we have, obviously, an installment number seven, I believe, coming up. And uh, number seven coming up. And, we don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the date. Um, we don't know where they're going to slot this movie, how they're going to treat it. And, uh, you know, Ken, I think you have some news about uh, some scheduling of movies based on the, uh, the questions going on with the Fast and Furious franchise. But it's, you know, it's very sad. And the fans are, there we go. Am I on live? I, I think you're on now. All right. Technical issues. Uh, we got a producer on board. She's like telling me, hey, I'm having trouble hearing Todd. So I think we got you now. So continue. Well, very sad about Paul Walker. And, uh, you know, obviously the cornerstone of the Fast and Furious franchise, which is, as I was just saying, one of the rare movie franchises that's growing as time goes on. And I don't know what the studio is going to do with uh, with 
the uh, Fast and Furious number seven, which is coming up. But, uh, you know, it's just very sad news. And as you said, uh, condolences to his friends and family. He'll be missed. Yeah, and it, it, you bring up a good point. I mean, very few franchises get better. And if I was a betting man, I would have bet that that franchise was done uh, after Tokyo Drift. Um, it really, it, like from the first one, which I thought was entertaining, but I didn't think it was great. Uh, the, the first three uh, got progressively worse as they went on, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And then they decided to go right. back to it. And it's really just, it, it is, for my money, the action franchise right now in, in the movie industry. So uh, Right, especially one that's not based on a, a comic book, a series of books. It's, it's an original Vin Diesel had jumped ship. We thought it was all done, and it's just growing exponentially at this point. Yeah, some news on that front. Just to let you guys know, we were, you know, we're we're still feeling out uh, this whole pop life thing. We want to give you some news uh, as well as our opinions and stuff. But uh, the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the sequel uh, to uh, the Last Planet of the Apes movie that's due in 2014, they've moved uh, 2014. They've moved Dawn of the Planet of the Apes up to July 11, 2014, and that is actually the same date that Fast and Furious 7 was currently scheduled to release. So Fox is moving the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes release. Uh, speculation right now is obviously due to the death of Paul Walker that they're going to be moving the Fast and Furious release date. So sure. No one wants to go head-to-head with that movie. I think that they're banking on the fact that uh, Fast and Furious is delayed and uh, they're just taking up a prime summer slot. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. So, again, condolences to the Paul Walker family. And that was a, a major bit of news in, in the, the pop culture uh, realm. Um, you know, lots of things. You know, uh, there was also another sad story, uh, you know, affected the world as a whole. But Nelson Mandela passed away. Uh, not so much like a pop culture icon, but someone that has affected, uh, you know, life all over the world. Uh, definitely a great soul. And, and he'll be uh, sorely missed. So condolences. Uh, great man. Uh, who, uh, who we've lost. Uh, so it's been kind of a, a tough holiday season uh, getting going. Um, some other major news, though, that we had, I guess some good news, uh, which is very interesting and something that uh, unique to the Ma- Madison Square Garden. I mean, you hear about this in, in Vegas and stars taking up residencies. Uh, interesting stuff uh, from Billy Joel now uh, in New York. Uh, credible press release this, this, what, last week? Last week when it was announced that uh, they, they called him the first music franchise at Madison Square Garden. But what essentially is happening, if you haven't heard, is that he will play a concert every month at the Garden until people stop going. Which, I don't know what you think, but that's got to be, you know, 10 plus years down the road. I don't see people abandoning Billy Joel in this, uh, in this city. He did 12 straight shows uh, a number of years ago. We're talking about 12 shows a year. I got my tickets for his 65th birthday, 65th birthday show. I'm very excited. Um, but, you know, that's fantastic. I, I'm a big fan, and I think that it's a, a great thing. And like you said, it doesn't happen much in the outside of Vegas, but it should be a lot of fun. And it's interesting, man, because I'm, I'm a big Billy Joel fan. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm, a, I'm a Billy Joel's greatest hits fan. I, okay. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm not a guy who, who knows the obscure songs. I, you know, I can't tell you what the track listing is on The Stranger, but... You know, he, to, for me as a fan, like, Billy Joel was always that guy that, you know, had some good albums, 
but one or two great songs on every album. And then when he compiled everything in the greatest hits, it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh, probably one of the best greatest hits packages ever ever put together. I'm, I'm the kind of fan who says I'm not in the mood for The Stranger right now. I want to hear some Glass Houses. You know, I'm a really big fan. And aside from the hits on every album, there are some great hidden tracks, some great, you know, semi-hidden tracks. Uh, but he's a tremendous artist and a tremendous storyteller. What I think is great is with, with this now, like, like he's someone for me that I wouldn't necessarily run out to see him as much as I'd like to see him. I mean, I, he's a guy that like, I'm not saying I don't want to ever see him, but you know, if I hear he's coming around, it's not like, Oh my God, I got to run out and get tickets. But this is something now knowing that he's going to be there every month, you know, someone like me, like maybe someone who's more of a, a fringe fan or they, like I said, kind of likes the greatest hits. They're going to run out and see Billy Joel. They're going to get that chance. He's getting up there in years. Who knows how much longer he's going to be performing. He's saying he's going to be at the Garden until nobody comes anymore. I think this is a great opportunity for people who you know, are, are diehard fans, who are kind of fans, who are fringe fans, or people who are just music fans who are like, you know, I'm just going to go see a, a, a legend in the music industry. It's And for it to be happening... Uh, in, in the mecca of entertainment in New York City. I, I think this is just, uh, you know, yeah, you haven't seen a lot. Like, I don't feel like it's really bombarded the, the pop culture scene. It's been a big deal, but I, I don't think you can really overestimate how big a deal and how important this concert series is for New York, for Billy Joel, and, and for the music industry as a whole. Uh, he is uh, a, the New York icon right now. He was involved in the concert for Standy. He was involved in the 9-11 concert. He's done, I think, 47 shows at the Garden alone. That's discounting the island everywhere else. And don't, don't quote me on that number, please. But, um, you know, I think you set aside 1,000 seats that they're, they're the people that are going to go to every show. And then you've got people, like you said, who, oh, maybe this month, something special, an occasion. I got the tickets from my wife for my birthday. I'm looking forward to it being his 65th birthday. I think I'm looking forward to something special. I saw him once with Elton John. I saw him once uh, towards the end of my high school, beginning of college career, and once during those 12 garden shows. So this is my fourth Billy Joel show, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing something special. I'm hoping he'll celebrate with the fans on his birthday. Should be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited. And, again, like I'm curious if we'll see things like this start to occur more often if there's venues you know guys who are are, are closely associated with with cities uh guy uh, you know groups like bon jovi uh, bruce springsteen uh you know are we going to see more local heroes uh taking up residencies at at certain venues as they get older as you know going out and touring is it, it's got to wear on you being out on the road i i know you you perform, and you love the live crowd, and, and well, who knows, maybe they like traveling. But you think as you get a little older, hey, if I could pick up and have one spot that every month I got my confirmed show, I got my paycheck, I can be with my family, um, it, it's got to be something that you would think should be could be attractive to other artists. So if this winds up being successful, I am curious if we wind up seeing this uh, kind of change the music industry a bit. 20 years from now, one of the uh, grunge bands taking up residency in Seattle. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting, and it may be a game changer. We'll, we'll see. So, yeah, so that's a lot of big news, like, coming out of the pop culture. And it, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. 
uh, we're going to talk about TV, movies, and we're in the holiday season, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about with that. But, you know, we really want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think of uh, the, the fall season, what's going on on TV, uh, movies, uh, anything we're talking about? We're going to hit some Christmas movies, so just call us. Anything in pop culture. You know, even if we're not talking about it and you want to talk about it, give us a call, and, and we'll, we'll discuss it. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Again, that is 347-838-9815 if you want to call and talk some pop culture. Throw anything at us. We're the kind of guys that will be able to talk about pretty much anything you call about. We pride ourselves on that. Yeah, so we... we uh, you know, last show we did, we, we talked a lot about TV and, and the new fall season, and there was a lot of a lot of new TV coming out, and, and it was interesting, you know, when we discussed on the last show, it was one of those things where there was like a good, like we discussed and we said, you know, when the fall season comes around, I set my DVR for a few shows, within a few weeks I'm cutting shows because they're not, they're not doing it for me. This is the first fall season in a long time. Not a show was cut, and they made all the shows made it through the cut. Uh, for you, Ken. For you. For I, me. For me. I cut a lot of shows, especially comedies, but uh, I, I have stuck with a few that have quickly risen to the top of my list. So it's been an interesting, you know, the one show, and it wasn't a new show. The new shows made it for me, and and I have a few episodes sitting on my DVR right now, and there's there's debate whether it's going to be cut, but Revolution. Uh, might be on the chopping block for me. I'm sad to hear that. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. I, I like what they did with the new season. There's a, uh, a, a different take on the show, and there are shows that reinvent themselves. Um, Revolution kind of had to do that, but I'm certainly going to stick with it. Um, uh, one of the shows that I was considering cutting, and I wasn't so sure about it last time we spoke, was Masters of Sex. And that one in the past month has really come on. You know, first there was the uh, the introduction of the characters. Then you had a few episodes that really were about the sex. Now it's about the relationships. It's about the study. And I am really enjoying this show. I'm absolutely looking forward to season two. And I, I think that uh, with the way they're leaving this, I don't think they have a choice but to have a season two. Hopefully I'm right about that. It's interesting because, I, I mean, that show, and I'm, I'm enjoying that show as well. It's an interesting show. Um because the, the lead character, it, you know, it, it's tough. Like, you kind of got to, like, force yourself to get into it because a lot of shows you get into because a, the lead character grabs you. Um, he's just a, a boring kind of very clinical kind of, like, and we're finding out, you know, he's got some demons in the closet. He's got some issues. There's a reason why he's, he's like this. But he's not a character that necessarily engages you right off the bat so you kind of have to kind of get you know get into the show get into like some of the supporting characters um but but i think that was part of it for me in the beginning that i didn't find him engaging you just got to kind of stick with it with that show you know i'll take it even further i think that most of the characters outside of uh virginia most of the characters were kind of a little bit boring we were in the button down 50s the whole point of the show is this is before we could talk about sex and everyone wanted to shoot everything down. Everybody was a little bit boring, but we have really learned a lot about these characters, what kind of demons they're hiding, what kind of relationships they're drawing, what kind of uh, problems they're stirring up. And I, I think that it's become actually pretty exciting with 
even though the characters might be a little bit uh, withdrawn and held back, there's a lot going on under the surface. Agreed. So that, that's definitely, you know, that's not on the chopping block. We're definitely going to stick with that show. Some of the other new shows, you know, one show, and you weren't, you didn't want to give it a chance, um, but the crazy ones, and I, it's been really interesting to watch the evolution of this show. It started off, look, if you didn't like Robin Williams, it, was, it would be a tough show to sit through. Um, it was, when it started off, 30 minutes, uh, pretty much of Robin Williams doing Robin Williams. Now, I like Robin Williams, so that was okay with me. I found it funny. Uh, what the show has done, though, as it's evolved, it's almost like they used Robin Williams. And again, almost like the opposite of uh, Masters of Sex, Robin Williams kind of brought you in. He engaged you. He kind of grabbed you by the cojones. And now that you're in, they've developed the other characters. And as the show has evolved over just this, this uh, fall season, you've seen other characters develop, other characters having uh, larger roles. And then as the show has gone on, it's interesting. And I don't know if they find him not marketable or, um, you know, his last show wasn't successful. But Brad Garrett added to the cast has definitely been a, a great addition. Him and Robin Williams playing off each other has definitely been great. Um, I would think most people who don't watch a show would have no idea that Brad Garrett is, is on the show. Personally, I mean, I still think Brad Garrett did his best work on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling doing the voice of Hulk Hogan, <laughs> but I digress. He's, he's just very good on this show. He plays off of Robin Williams very well. He plays a very unique character. He's, he's gay on the show, but a very atypical gay character, especially for TV. Um, he's, he's not flamboyant. He's not effeminate. Uh, he, he just happens to be gay, and it's an interesting dynamic how... Him, his character and Robin Williams' character don't get along a lot of the times because Robin Williams is too flamboyant. So they kind of flip the script a little bit. The dialogue between them is great. Brad Garrett's character is the character that uh, him and Robin Williams started this ad agency together. Uh, it's been a welcomed addition to the show, and I've enjoyed the way the show has evolved over the fall season. That's very interesting because I just read an article a couple of days ago in Entertainment Weekly that talked about a few shows that they didn't really enjoy at the beginning of the fall season, and it, they say, give it another chance. They've come around. One of them being the crazy ones, and I'm sure it's due to a lot of the changes, uh, a lot of the changes in the, the dynamics of the show that you mentioned. However, they in my opinion, maybe, made the mistake of giving a grade to the shows that they put on this list. And they graded Crazy Ones and uh, Trophy Wife, two shows which I tried, gave up on within an episode. Uh, they said they're now a B. And in my opinion, if a show is a B, I'm not watching it. There's got to be a thousand shows out there right now. This is not like a, an exaggeration at this point, but the number of channels we have, a thousand shows with original programming. I'm not watching a show that's a B. I need a B plus or better for me to tune in. Um, another one was Mom uh, with Anna Faris, and I, I watched part of an episode. It uh, seemed all right. They gave that a B plus, but still, uh, I've got the shows that I've stuck with. Uh, the Blacklist, Masters of Sex, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I'm very behind on now. I've got to binge watch over this uh, the next few weeks. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I, I absolutely love. I... I... Love that show. And it's funny because I have shows, and I don't know if you're like this, because I have shows that I, I really want to watch currently. Like, I don't let build up on, on my DVR. And then certain shows I don't care. Like, I'll catch up whenever. And as much as, like, like for me, Sons of Anarchy, 
And right now, don't anyone call in and say anything because the season finale of Sons of Anarchy is on right now. <laughs> um, so uh, don't say anything about that because I've got to catch up on that. But Sons of Anarchy, Walking Dead are, are two shows that I, I, if I don't watch the night they're on, I watch the day after. You know, I don't let it go that long. I never have episodes built up. Funny enough, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has become that show that even though it's not a serial, it's not like there's a hanging, you know, cliffhanger at the end of a show and then I have to keep up on, but I make sure I watch it every week. I think that show is brilliantly casted. I, I, I think, you know, and it's not, people might, you know, again, like you said, Robin Williams, like you, you don't like him. Some people do, some people don't. And, and Andy Samberg, like maybe some people like him, maybe some people don't. And you may come, come off and, and see the commercials or, you know, know he's from Saturday Night Live and now he's got this and think that it, it's a vehicle for him. And it's really not. He's great in his role, but it's a great ensemble cast. The, the casting director deserves an Emmy for this. Every single character fits their role to a T. And, and to be perfectly honest, for me, as, as much as Sandberg is great, I, I love Terry Crews. You're back on Terry I, I love Terry Crews, and I just... I, I like him more and more every episode he's in. He just he's just such a crazy character. You know, he, he's 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 kind of timid and, and overly sensitive, but he's he's built like a brick shit house. It's just, it's such a cool character and I but I just everybody, everybody on that show is so brilliantly casted. I make sure I catch and it honestly, I get a, at least a couple of legit belly laughs every episode. And I think that show's great, and I hope it, it's able to stick around. I've, I've got my list of shows I need to see when they're on. I've got right now about half dozen sitcoms that have at least five or six episodes, if not the full season, that I'm waiting to watch. And I'm waiting to watch during this, these next few weeks uh, between the end of what is now being called the mid-season finales or whatever they're calling them. But there are a few things now that we can look forward to uh, during that break, and I'm curious if you're the same as me, are there any holiday TV specials, the Christmas shows that you look forward to every year? You know, it's funny because like, it, it's it's splitting the, the difference between a holiday special and a, and a holiday uh, movie, and and you know some of the movies are you know they're put on TV, so they're I kind of like to separate like the you know, the, the, the Rudolphs and Frosties and Charlie Browns of the world from the Christmas stories, Santa right. Claus and Miracle on 34th Streets of the world. So when I, when I look at, at just the purely, like, the TV specials, there aren't a lot that I actually make sure I watch now. But the one that sticks out for me, and, and it's funny because myself and, and my significant other, jeez, um, it sounds like I'm gay, my girlfriend. There you go. Um, my, <laughs> not, not there's anything wrong with that. But... Uh, every year we have a, a holiday party, and, and it's called Chuck Fest. And the whole party is centered around watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. And that, to me, is just the uh, epitome. I love that. That is like probably my favorite Christmas special. I, I love watching Rudolph. I, I like Frosty. Charlie Brown is where it's at. The one that I think is kind of the unsung hero, and I don't even know if they show it on TV, but... I have the DVD, so I have to watch it at least once over the season. Uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas that premiered on HBO. It's an HBO Christmas special, um, The Muppets. I absolutely love that that special. I get a kick out of it. So that might actually be like uh, a, an underrated like second place for me. But as far as specials go, 
uh, I'd have to go with the Charlie Brown Christmas. And it's funny because you you came up with the idea for us to hit Christmas specials and stuff. And I, I'm really curious your your perspective on this because you're you're Jewish. Yes. And and you actually were like, we have to do stuff on Christmas specials. So what what's your favorite? I love the holiday season, I, you know, and I keep saying holiday. I probably ingrained because I am Jewish, but there's really nothing for us out there. I'm not going out every year to watch Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> so, yeah, it is about the uh, the Christmas specials. I have to watch uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas every year. That's my number one. one. Charlie Brown is up there as well as Frosty. I've soured on Rudolph a little bit, but I do enjoy those. There's one, you know, and you mentioned the Muppets. They've done a lot of Christmas specials. The one, and this is, of course, Muppets, but it's got another brand to it. When I was a kid, I loved that Sesame Street Christmas special, the one where Ernie and Bert went and sold things to exchange presents. Big Bird was all uh, worried about how Santa gets down the chimneys. Oscar was messing with his head. I loved that one. The Muppets have done so many specials over the years, though. Um, I loved the one about five, six years ago about letters to Santa, I remember something from when I was a kid with John Denver um, and the Muppets, and uh, I did not watch, and from what I hear, it's probably a good thing, the Lady Gaga and the Muppets special. Oh, God, don't ever, like, that. it, it actually soils the, the name Muppet Christmas special, and, and you know what, like, I, I just, when, when it comes to that, because I actually did watch it, because I, I love the Muppets, I, I really, I'm a big fan of the Muppets, I, I, I will go... I mean, they just released the trailer for the next Muppet movie. Right. It looks awesome. Um, but it just, it was one of those things like, you know, when John Denver did the Christmas special, it was, it was, it was Christmas. It was Christmas songs. Was, Lady Gaga did this Christmas special and it was just her hawking her new album. It was all her new songs. And then interspersed was like the Muppets. It was just, and, and to, to put it in perspective, a rerun of a Charlie Brown Christmas actually beat it in the ratings. So Kermit sold out. He did. That's terrible. But I, I'll still watch the Muppet movies. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, we have our, you, you want to separate out the TV shows from the movies, but uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol is a great holiday movie. I mean, there are certain classics that, uh, you know, we, we love to see movies like It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, The Old a Christmas Carol, um, then they're, they're the new classics. You know, some of the movies that uh, have come out in the last 20, 30 years, and this, uh, there's one that you mentioned to me that kind of spurred me thinking about this topic. You love A Christmas Story. You consider that to be the definitive new classic. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of anything that really... Uh, and, and credit all to TBS, who, who like went with 24 Hours of Christmas, because it, it, I find that movie very interesting that it, it did okay. Not great. Okay in the box office. I, I, I have fond memories of it because I went to see that. I actually saw it in the theater. Uh, so I was a big fan of the movie from when it was released. My dad took me to it. And it's funny. My dad took me to that movie trying to get out of shopping with my mom, my grandmother, <laughs> and my sister. I just happened to say I want to see a Christmas story. And my dad's like, we're not going shopping. We're going to see a Christmas story. And that was it. So we went and saw it. And uh, I just always loved that movie. And now it, it's gotten such a life on TV uh, and out of anything that's that's released to me, like our generation, it's it's the one movie that's really become a, a Christmas classic. So, uh, yeah, I definitely put that up there. I, you know, it's funny because I don't know if you've seen it, but when you bring up classics and, and the old school classics, 
I, as I sit here as a pop culture guru and we go through this show and we're dissecting all these things, I have actually never seen It's a Wonderful Life. You know, it's funny. I saw it later in life. I didn't see it, you know, through my 20s, but I have now seen it. I probably saw a dozen It's a Wonderful Life parodies before I saw the actual <laughs> yeah. movie. But, I mean, it, it's a classic. Um, it's terrific. I, you've got to see it. You know, it, it used to be on once a year. Now you can find it like anything else, anytime, anyplace. Uh, you've got to watch that movie. It's uh, really, I think, the definitive classic movie. Um, as far as the new classics go, I love Elf. I also am a big fan of Scrooge, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw with you for the first time <laughs> in the movies. I, I believe you're right, and I do. I, I like that movie a lot. I think it's, uh, you know, like you're saying with uh, It's a Wonderful Life, there's so many parodies and, and retellings and retellings, and, uh, you know, A Christmas Carol, there are so many retellings. Right. And, and I think Scrooge kind of nails it. It's a, it's a unique retelling uh the characters are good bill murray is awesome it bill just, murray it is works the, he's the quintessential bill murray in that movie yes. Yes. So i i think that's great it's funny you bring up elf i honestly i i have never seen that movie all the way through uh we agree on a lot i i have i have issues with will ferrell i have problems with and i just i honestly have not been able to sit through uh all of elf it, you know i like i like will ferrell as a sketch comedian and it's funny, as we look forward to the release of Anchorman 2, uh, even that movie, I love Anchorman, the first one, now that I've seen it on cable in like five, ten-minute spurts. If I watch it broken up, I enjoy those small moments, but when I watch Will Ferrell for, for two hours doing his Will Ferrell thing, uh, I, I, I have trouble with it. So I, I have yet to see Elf from start to finish. Well, you know, you're not the Saturday Night Live fan that I am, but I watch it religiously, I think that if I had you, if I said you've got to watch an episode with me, you could do it. If I said you had to watch the full DVD of The Best of Will Ferrell, you would have a problem. Yes. And that's what you're looking at, a whole bunch of sketches strung together into the Anchorman movie, you know, with a plot built around it. But it's a lot of Will Ferrell. I still love it. I love the guy. But, you know, some of the other, like, newer movies, and it's funny because you start to wonder, you know, Christmas movies versus movies that happen at Christmas time, and movies that you don't necessarily think of as a Christmas movie. But movies like Gremlins, uh, you know, it takes place during Christmas. It's a Christmas gift. You don't readily think of that as a Christmas movie. Great movie, fun movie. And another movie that it really is a Christmas movie but doesn't pop into my head when you start thinking greatest Christmas movies ever, Home Alone. Great movie, happens at Christmas time, a lot of Christmas stuff. In intergrained in the movie, it's great movie, and that that's uh, one of those like newer classics. Yeah, absolutely a modern classic, and it happens at Thanksgiving. His fam, uh, Thanksgiving Christmas, it happens because his family leaves for Christmas. You know, a lot of these movies have Christmas as a main plot device, and you can get into it. You can appreciate it as a Christmas movie because of the snow. You know, you have little Kevin using Christmas or ornaments as as a weapon. You know, it's definitely in my mind a Christmas movie. Um, and I think it's also one of those modern classics. Another one I'll throw up there that, um, for a different reason, may or may not be considered a Christmas movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, kind of the bridge between when people start putting the decorations up before Halloween at, through the season uh, up until Christmas. But I, I think that's one of the new classics as well. I would agree with you. I think it's a, it's a fun movie. It's, it's a very unique movie. It's, it's, uh, 
you know, clearly like pop open the cranium and look inside Tim Burton's head kind of movie. Uh, but I would definitely put that up there in in the newer classics. But it's interesting because as we were researching this this uh, show and how we wanted to hit some Christmas movies and the classics, like you know, it, it's that that fine line, like you know, when is it a Christmas movie and when is it a movie that just happens to happen around the Christmas season? There were some lists I I looked at that actually had movies like Batman Returns on, on the list. Like that to me, it's like I can't. No, I, that, I mean, I get it, but I I can't look at that as a Christmas movie. I agree. That one just doesn't do it for me uh, as a Christmas movie. But there is one that takes place, and honestly, in my mind, this is a Christmas movie. It's all about Christmas. It takes place entirely at a Christmas party. It's, uh, you know, there are certain devices in there that have to do with Christmas, and I think it's one of, not only one of the greatest movies ever, but one of the top Christmas movies, I think you know what I'm going to say, it's Die Hard. Yeah, and surprisingly enough, that was a movie that, uh, you know, it's one of those things that when, you know, I start, you know, when we do things like this, whether it's at this show or other shows, you, you come up with lists, like generally what I try and do is, is come up with a list in my head, and then I'll start researching and see where, like, some of the ones that I think of fit in. And, you know, I, when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of, you know, the, the Miracle on 34th Streets, the Christmas stories, you know, those type movies. Those and, are all about right. Christmas. Die Hard was not one that popped into my head. But when I started thinking about it, you're right. I mean, there's definitely a Christmas theme throughout it. Um, you know, a lot, a lot more blood and death than most Christmas movies. Um <laughs> But a movie that, you know, you, you might have to say, yeah, it is a Christmas movie. It wound up on a lot of lists as far as Christmas movies. And a a movie that, that redefined the action movie. So not only is it, you know, make its way into the list of the uh, higher echelon of Christmas movies, but definitely a, a movie, a pivotal movie in the landscape of action movies. Oh, absolutely. So many movies that came out the next five, ten years after that were die hard on a boat die hard on a this and you know speed was was a die hard script there were so many movies that really took that die hard model and it, it changed action movies um and and bruce willis may have changed what the action stars as well you know uh, we we had the old the age of stallone and schwarzenegger and van damme and seagal and guys that you looked at and you said hey this guy is an action movie star Bruce Willis, maybe not. He did a lot of things besides the Die Hard films and the, the action films. Yeah, I mean, and his look was definitely something much different than your typical action. I mean, you know, 80s action stars had muscles on their muscles, and they were they were superhuman, and they were infallible. And, you know, uh, he Bruce Willis changed that with Die Hard. I mean, he made mistakes. You know, he forgot to put his shoes on, you know, and that, that whole movie. I mean, just those those little subtle nuances in, right. in Die Hard that kind of change things. I think, you know, a lot of movies, like when you look at even 80s action heroes, like, uh, say, a, a Sylvester Stallone, that, that post-Die Hard does a movie like Cliffhanger where he actually is going to save somebody and that person dies in the first scene in the movie. hope I'm not giving anything away if you haven't seen Cliffhanger, but, Jesus, it's like 20 years old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you think, is it 20 years it's even longer it's even than longer that. that. It's even longer than that. But, but like, you're right. It's movies still... like that, like where you know they they kind of started making action heroes a, a little more fallible. Right. Action heroes are fallible, and the action stars are not necessarily the people you you look at as action heroes. You know, right now we've got some movies coming out, and and they've revived some of the old franchises. But we've got movies coming out with uh, with Sylvester Stallone and and Arnold Schwarzenegger 
we've got uh, Rambo movies and and we've got um, Rocky movies coming out again. But then you have the other guys uh, who have action movies now. For instance, um, Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg, uh, Keanu Reeves and 47 Ronin. You've got um, Chris Pine now playing Jack Ryan, who was played by you know action stars before. Matt Damon in The Monuments Man. These are all movies coming out this month that they don't look like action heroes. There is actually the only one that's uh, out recently, Homefront, with Jason Statham. He's the one who looks like an action star now. He's the one who would have fit in with the old crew. And, in fact, he's in there in The Expendables with the old crew. He was probably the, the main newer actor in that first Expendables movie. Yeah, and it's interesting because his, his new movie... Uh... Homefront, Homefront, Homefront uh, was actually a movie written by Sylvester Stallone, and, right. and Stallone wrote that for himself. Yep. Uh, and in, in conversing on the set of The Expendables, like, hey, you know, you're you're younger than me. Why don't you do it? So, uh, you know, Stallone kind of brought Statham into the mix for that. And it's interesting because you wonder, you know, you bring up Jason Statham, and it's interesting now that, like, when you talk about guys who are bona fide action stars, Jason Statham pops in your head. The Rock definitely pops in your head, and getting back to the the Fast and Furious franchise. Vin, Vin Diesel is another one. There's not many, but you know those few are, are. They look like action stars. Paul Walker, he did not look like an action star, but that's what he did. He had the Fast and the Furious movies. You know, he did uh, others as well. He was a bona fide action star, but he lives in, in more of the Bruce Willis mold. Yeah. So, it, but what's it, what I find interesting is you know nowadays you know when you thought action star in the '80s and and. You know, let's just take Bruce Willis out of the mix for now as far as, uh, you know, Die Hard and everything. You know, you had your guys that were just, like, it was a debate. Like, who's the guy? Is it Stallone or Schwarzenegger? You know, like, those are the guys that are, like, the gods of action movies. And over time, you know, no one has really taken up the mantle. No one has taken up, like, he's the action guy. And you you wonder right now, is The Rock going to be the guy who's going to be like the action movie guy, because it looks like he's moving in that direction. Even though he's done things, other look, it's failed, and I I think it's a failed Disney experiment. You know, I don't think I, I you know he wasn't bad, and he's got some charisma, and I get it. You know, when you hear, "Hi, Disney's here. We have a boatload of money to give you if you're going to do four films with us." Yeah, I get it. I get why The Rock signed on with Disney. However, I don't think that's his niche, and it seems like he's realized that, and he's gone like full-on into action movies. Is he the star? But when you bring up these names, it's interesting. Has it been the fact that we haven't had a guy step up and become that new action star, or is it just that actors kind of wised up and said, you know what, I don't want to be typecast, and when I do an action movie... I'm going to make sure I go out and do a drama or a comedy or, or a romance or something else after I do the action movie to make sure that people don't typecast me right away. And you go back and you look at some of these guys, you know, like a guy like Stallone who tried to branch out. And, and you know, granted, Stop My Mom Will Shoot was not a good movie. But I enjoyed I actually enjoyed Oscar. I thought Oscar was a funny movie. I thought it was an interesting farcical parody on, on mob life. Uh, you know, and I thought Stallone was pretty good. Not a good movie, not a good movie as far as returns to the box office. And I remember seeing Stallone in an interview saying, fans just don't want to see me that way. And he kind of had to get back into the action movie genre. So I guess what I'm saying, Todd, is 
is this symptomatic of actors being smarter about their careers, or is it just no one has actually stepped up? Well, it might be. It might be that the the people who can do both do, and the guys who are typecast just aren't going to be taken serious as actors. It might be that Vin Diesel, The Rock, Jason Statham, Jet Li can't get a dramatic role. I mean, you, you're talking about Stallone branching out, and it didn't work. Schwarzenegger did branch out. He made a lot of funny movies. He did uh, Kindergarten Cop and Twins, and, and he did some movies that were funny, but that's all he could do. It's, if it's not action, it's comedy, whereas now you have actors who are doing drama, who are serious actors, but they're also doing not just a single action movie here and there, but a ton or a franchise. I mean, um, people like Hugh Jackman, uh, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, Tom Cruise, if anyone, is probably the action guy of our generation. Well, not our generation, but this generation. I mean, he's done a ton of movies, and, uh, and he's a serious actor. Liam Neeson, you know, and he, at God knows what age it was, that he took on The Phantom Menace and then Batman Begins and, and the Taken movies, but these guys are dramatic actors that now can come on out and do it. So I wonder... Is it that they don't want to be typecast, which is probably a big part of it, so they take on both? And, and is it that the guys who are purely action movie stars can't do anything else because they won't get the jobs? It's funny because I, I do think, you know, it depends on the guy. You know, I, I think when you see a guy like Stallone, I think he could do both. He just couldn't get that, those opportunities. When you see Copland, right. Stallone excelled at that. And it would have been interesting if Stallone had gotten more roles like that. And even going back, when you look at the, the original Rocky, you know, before he was getting typecast. And even the first First Blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of intensity to that character. There's a lot of acting going on. It's not a... Those are not cartoonish at all. Those no. were serious movies. And, I mean, this guy is obviously... People, some people don't realize that he wrote movies, that he produced movies. He's not the Rocky. He's not the dumb Rocky guy. He knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy, and, and he is a good actor. Yeah, and I think he's, you know, and again, it's going back. Like, I mean, you brought up Liam Neeson. I mean, it, it's an interesting kind of dynamic. Like, when you think about the 80s and the action stars and the action movies we had, I don't think you would have had a 50, 60-something actor venturing into action movies for the first time and right. being successful. You have a Liam Neeson who has had a great career as an actor, and all of a sudden he decides, like, you know, in his later years as an actor, hey, I'm going to be an action star now. As cheesy and campy and over-the-top as the 80s were, I don't think that would have been accepted then, but it's kind of accepted now. And it's interesting, when you see Stallone decide to do movies like The Expendables, it's almost like Stallone sat there and was like, you know what? Nobody, nobody has taken over the mantle. No one has taken over the mantle for action stars. So you know what? I'm going to get everybody i'm gonna get all my action movie buddies from from the past couple decades throw them all in the same movie and make the best kick-ass action movies that that are out there and those movies look we talk fast and furious and those are a lot of fun but man i love the expendables i love both of them they they are in the genre i guess of like your 80s action movie with they're better acted, they're, there's better special effects, there's better action sequences, you know, there's new te- technology in movies. And, and above all else, The Expendables have Terry Crews. No, the, and, and there you go. So therefore, the, they are some of the greatest movies of our time. They, exactly. they do, but they've got everyone, and they're making sequels, and people want to get on board. They keep bringing on you know, new action stars. 
some of the older action stars that they bring back for these movies. Uh, it's a tremendous series, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and, that, and that's just it. You know, there's certain movies that you just you, you want to go and you want to have fun, and, and Stallone seems to be able to, you know, hit, the, hit that, you know, button, like just, just hit it. We're like, all right, you know, you're going to have fun at this movie. I'm really curious now, like you've said, with action stars and comedies, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the new movie coming out this holiday season. Actually, it's being released on Christmas, starring Stallone and Robert De Niro. And, you know, at first glance, if you, if you read the, the, the write-up for this and you knew that, like, Stallone and De Niro are going to be in a boxing match at the end of this movie, you'd think, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. There's no way I'm going to see that. But when you watch the trailer, it, it just the way it's all set up in a, in a modern-day fashion that they get in a fight while putting together a video game and they never had their rubber match. And, who knows, you know, I watch boxing nowadays. Boxing is down. They're always, you know, it seems like the boxing industry is always looking for something, something to hang their hat on. And if they could put together Rocky versus Raging Bull, we'd all tune in exactly. because that looks outstanding. I agree. I agree, and I can't wait. And I think that that's it. Stallone has a knack for, you know, at this point in his career, hitting, you know, you're going to go to the theater and you're going to have a good time. And it's funny because for me, a lot of moviegoers love to go and be critical. I still like to try and get myself in that mindset that I was as a kid where like when you go to the movies, it was something special. So I generally, when I go to the movies, I am looking to enjoy myself. I am looking really like I am just, I'm, I'm biased in a positive way that I am going to enjoy this movie, which is why when I hate a movie, it's a big deal. That movie absolutely sucks because I really go out of my way to enjoy movies when I go out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like a fun movie. Um, but, you know, getting back to the, the, the whole conversation, you know, who is it? Do we have the guy who is the action star uh, for this generation and the generation going forward? I mean, is it, is it The Rock? Is it Jason Statham? Yeah, it, it may be one of those two, or it may be that we are just past the age of the action star. We've got people who've got their niche roles. You know, a lot of these guys we mentioned were all in that one uh, franchise, The Fast and the Furious. But Jason, Jason Statham, if anyone is the guy who does pretty much exclusively action movies. Tom Cruise is the guy who does a lot of stuff, but he has been in Mission Impossible movies and Minority Report and Night and Day and uh, War of the Worlds. I mean, he's done a lot of it. So, you know, between those two, I think we may have, we may have the answer. Yeah, War of the Worlds was terrible. But, but it was an action movie. I'm not vouching for how good these movies were. <laughs> I, and that was, it's funny, because that was a movie I, I really wanted to like. And it's funny, because Tom Cruise, I, I, you know, he's not the best actor, but I generally find him enjoyable. In fact, one of my favorite action movies ever is Mission Impossible 2. Uh, that movie's just ridiculous at the end, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So maybe it is Tom Cruise. What do you guys think, you guys? Who is the action star for this generation? 347-838-9815 is the number to call. It's amazing. You know, you get us start, we start talking about the holidays, and, and then you, you get on Die Hard, and you get, you get two guys talking about Die Hard. And before you know it, we're talking about Stallone and Schwarzenegger and action movies, because that, that's what guys talk about. That's absolutely right. That's our stuff. You know, that's how we work out our problems. Exactly. Let's fight. Let's you know, fight. Exactly. <laughs> let, let me then, Ken, bring you back to the holidays for a minute, if you, if you don't mind. We talked about holiday movies. We talked about uh, TV specials. And one of the big things when, when Christmas comes around is the Christmas music. 
you know, I look forward to when that when that light FM station goes twenty four seven. I get very excited, and I've been listening to it. You know, uh, anytime I'm in the car, I, I really enjoy it. I want to ask you this, Ken. What do you think are some of the new classics in the Christmas music scene? I, I do. I got. I love the fact that, like, with with my Jewish brethren, that we we have this conversation that you're so into Christmas music. It's and it's funny because like we we had the conversation that uh. You know, it was too early for me to listen to Christmas music, and I had to wait till Thanksgiving. And you were, you were like, as soon as the channel, the stations changed over, you were all about the Christmas music. I checked it every day, and the Friday before Thanksgiving, they finally went twenty four seven. I was very excited. I think that you shouldn't put your decorations up too early. I don't like it when the stores start doing their storefronts too early. But give me the music in August. All right, Christmas music. <laughs> And it was, you know, it's funny because I was kind of inspired because, like, I get so caught up, and I agree with you, like, the decoration stuff I don't want early, but it is, you know, Christmas music is happy. You know, some of the songs are annoying, I get it, but, you know, it is happy, and it puts you in the, the holiday spirit. And regardless of, of religion or your beliefs or what you think, it, it's, it's supposed to be a happy period of time, and there's enough crap in this world that is just, it's just terrible everywhere we turn that... You know, if you get to, like, you know, end of November, beginning of December, through, and you just can be, like, happy, and uh, you get to wish. You know, it's funny, because, like, we don't do it at any other part of time, but you wish people happy holidays, and it's, like, you know, it's just well-wishing. And it, it's, it's a great time of year just for everyone to be positive towards people. That's what it's all about. I mean, the Christmas music is about that happiness. We get to, when, what other time of year do people get together, walk around, and sing together for hours at a time? But that's what Christmas caroling is. We take these songs, we, we're happy, we sing, we spread the joy, and, uh, you know, so, so I love it. I'm going to throw this one out at you right now as far as the new classics, because I think this one fits in with all of the olds, all the greats. Uh, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. I thought the moment I heard that, wow, out of anything I've heard in the last 30 years, this is a winner, and uh, I love it every time it comes on. It never gets old for me. It's definitely, you know, it's, it's one of the newer songs, and it's fit in. You know, I don't know how many people are walking the streets caroling that song. No, not caroling. But, but it, it is definitely, you know, and other people are covering it. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's definitely fallen into that, you know, new classic kind of, kind of feel. You know, when Christmas uh, music starts playing, it is definitely one of those songs that, you know, when that song plays, it's like, all right, yeah, it's definitely the, the Christmas season. Uh, there have been a, a few new classics. I definitely put that in the mix. Uh, for, for me, for whatever reason, in, in my brain, and, and look, maybe, maybe it's a problem. Maybe I have some issues. But I, I don't feel like, and it has to be random. I can't throw it on on like a disc or, or check out my iTunes. It has to be like listening to the radio. But it's, it's when I hear, do they know it's Christmas? That that's when I actually feel like all right, it's the Christmas season. I have to hear it randomly on the air, so I do. Look, and that is another song that you know in my band we actually do that song for oh, a terrific. holiday show. That's great. And it's funny when we were going over it, other members of the band were looking for uh, the version to to listen to, and there's actually a lot of different versions for that. And I think when you start to think about classics. You got to think about all right when multiple people start doing it, and right. Mariah Carey falls into that mix. Uh, you definitely have. Do they know it's Christmas in that mix? Uh, there, there was even the cover of uh, Wham's Last Christmas a couple of years ago, which I mean surprised me. You know, there are certain songs 
that, and I know that there are dozens, if not sometimes hundreds of versions of these songs, but there are certain Christmas songs that it, I don't want them covered. It bothers me. When I heard a cover of Happy Christmas by John Lennon, I, I turned it off. I'll listen to almost anything, but that's one of the ones, and maybe it's my, my love of the Beatles, but same thing with Wonderful Christmas Time and Paul McCartney, you know. They're those definitive versions, and you're not going to hear anyone else. Well, you will hear anyone else do it. I don't want to hear it on the radio. Feliz Navidad. There's only one in right. my mind. Blue Christmas, that's Elvis, and that's it. But then there are those songs that there are a lot of versions, and uh, you know it's, it's tough to pick. For instance, I think that a generational gap is going to uh, determine wh- which version of Santa Claus is coming to town, you like. I think anyone our age or younger is going with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the definitive, uh, um, definitive Santa Claus is coming to town. And, that, and as we're talking about our, our band, that's the other song we do. We do that version of Santa Claus is coming to town, and that's, uh, you know, it goes over well with the crowd. It, it's a classic. It's another one of the songs that, like, when you, you hear those, the first piano notes of that song, that's just like... You know, and, and it's funny, it, there's something about, it, it's the version of the song, but there's something about Bruce Springsteen's dialogue in the right. beginning, and, right. you know, wind whipping down the boardwalk, you know, that, hey, bam! You know, that, you know that, I mean, that, that whole thing, is just, it, it adds character to the song, and, uh, you know, it, it's funny, because, yeah, Santa Claus Coming to Town has been around forever, but, but for our generation, it, that seems like it's, it's the the definitive version of that song. But we all know the different melody. We all know Burl Ives. We all know, and, and I'm not turning that one off. That's a terrific song. Right. But, you know, if you, you had to pick one. What if I asked you, what's your favorite version of Jingle Bell Rock? You know, there's Bobby Helms, there's Brenda Lee, and then and one that I, I do enjoy, Hall & Oates. It's funny because I feel like I'm, I'm definitely influenced by the video. The, the, Hall & Oates, <laughs> the Hall & Oates video to that song is so... Over the top, deliciously cheesy. That video, you, that video is so cheesy. You can feel your cholesterol going up. <laughs> and that that video, and I just I get such a kick out of that video. And I, I probably have to go with Hall and Oates. But again, it's one of those songs. That it's a great song. And like you're saying, I'm not turning off any of the other versions of that song. But right. if, if I had to pick my favorite, I, I'm probably going to go with the Hall and Oates version. Okay, I, I personally, uh, for Jingle Bell Rock, it's Bobby Helms. I love Brenda Lee rocking around the Christmas tree, but when I hear her doing uh, Jingle Bell Rock, I go, it's not quite right. I like Bobby Helms the best. I learned something very interesting when I was looking into this. Sleigh Ride. That was originally an instrumental, and the, the lyrics were added a couple of years later. So, you know, you've got that great version by the Boston Pops, and then you have versions by, like, the Ronettes, Johnny Mathis, what do you prefer? Do you like it with the lyrics, or do you love that instrumental with the horse clomping and the you know the, the different instruments? I'd probably go with the vocals. I, I kind of like the vocals. You know, it's, I, it's funny. It's, it's probably not one of my favorites, um, but it's definitely uh, – you know, I definitely go with the vocals. I got one for you. Like, what, what do you think about Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Because that, that's one of my favorites. If you're, and, and, and going with the whole theme of this show today – it, it kind of like in my head, I, I have like I, I wish I, I need a scriptwriter near me because I have some like Christmas action movie going on as like Trans Siberian Orchestra is playing. But I, I, I gotta if I'm driving, 
I it's one of the few Christmas songs I have to turn up. I actually yep. will turn my radio up and I feel like I'm in a car chase or something during Christmas time, but I love that. I'm with you. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the the Boston Pops, Arthur Fiedler version of uh, Sleigh Ride. Another one, I love Deck the Halls by Mannheim Steamroller. I love that version where the you know the, the tune is a little off there in the uh, the fa-la-las, but I, I love that one. I guess I'm a, a fan, but I you know go to Winter Wonderland and uh, Frosty the Snowman. I'm, I'm not turning off any of those. But, you know, I've got my favorites. I'm sure you do, too. One of my favorites is actually the, the 12 Pains of Christmas. And it's a, it's a parody song, but I I have to laugh as, as a, uh, you know, someone who celebrated Christmas my entire life. Uh, when the guy comes on and says, ringing up the lights, <laughs> I, I I have the, these, these <laughs> fun for me, but probably not fun for my father, <laughs> but just these, these these memories in my head of, my dad taking the lights out, trying to untangle the lights and, and, and all that stuff. And so that is one of those like special ones where like every time that guy comes on, like, well, one goes out, they all go out. I, I, I just love that song. So that, that's one of my favorites. Let me ask you on the subject of parody songs then. Uh, Jingle Bells, Barking Dogs, yes or no? It, it's it's fun. It, it's a fun song. I can't say that that I, I love it. I, I would you know honestly, it's it's a parody song. Um, it's fun. It, it definitely puts a smile on my face. I I don't know if I put it on myself, but when it comes on the radio, it's something fun. You know, something that's that's I guess not necessarily a parody song, but a fun song who would probably have to enter into uh, a modern classic. Although I do feel like some other some stations don't play it anymore because I guess it has a bit of a morbid theme. It's a but little old. I grandma don't... got run over by a reindeer, which is definitely... My mom, my grandmother, not liking that song. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to understand. It's a joke. It's it's fun. I I can't listen to that more than once or twice a season. It gets old. But it's fun. You know, I, I love the Weird Al Yankovic parody songs that he did about Christmas. Um... I love, like you know, I said the classics, the slow ones, White Christmas, the upbeat songs, the carols. Give it all to me. I love it all. Hey, so you know, and we guys have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Hope you had a great Hanukkah. Whatever you guys celebrate, hope you have a a great season because we've actually reached the end of the show. We got a lot of big plans for 2014. We're going to continue to let this show evolved but had a lot of fun tonight todd good show great show great show see you next year everybody yeah we are we are very excited to, to let this show evolve and check us out on facebook again that's facebook.com slash pop life show again facebook.com slash pop life show or just search tkrs presents pop life go on facebook you got ideas for the show but we got like we got ideas we're going to do some movie theme shows tv theme shows music we're going to do a star wars show who knows where we're going to go, so be sure to come and thank you all for tuning in tonight. For Todd, I am Ken Reedy. We will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Have a great holiday season.